Hello, Oba and Kodichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC Vegas 49. Bobby Green taking that short notice chance up against Islam Makashev in the main event. But as those of you who frequent this show know, we will not be talking about that fight or any of the other fights on this main card. Because this here, this is the prelim primer where we break down just the prelim portion of that card. Now... For those of you who are not familiar with the show and you're wondering why just the prelim portion of the card, why not break down all the other exciting action, the answer is really simple. The answer is we know you guys know who Bobby Green is, Uh, we know you know who Islam Makashev is, but we know that you probably don't know a lot of these names, especially on this prelim card. And that's why we're here to break it down, because whether you're playing daily fantasy sports or you're gambling, or maybe, hey, you just want to win a pick'em contest, you gotta know about these guys and we're here to help you with precisely that. So, before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there are more previews, recaps, and analysis than you can shake a stick at. It's all too much, and if you're looking to get some insight to give you an edge, it can be hard to block up the noise from what really matters, which is exactly why you should download the All-Star app, because they supply you with expert commentary in an intuitive, fully interactive app right there in the palm of your hands for absolutely free. There's lots of other great features to the All-Star app that I'll tell you about a little bit later on. But for right now, just go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the theallstar.io. Now, uh, usually this is the part of the show where I introduce my co-host and I tell you who will be breaking down the fights with me. But scheduling has been a little bit tough for Gumby this, uh, these last few weeks. So I am flying solo yet again here. So uh, as always, I'm going to start breaking down these fights by putting five minutes on the clock. And I'm going to start this round by talking about Zhu Rong versus Ignacio Bahamonde. So let's start with Zhu Rong here. He's 1-1 one one in the UFC. Uh, he lost to Kazula Vargas out the gate, which was kind of a crappy loss because mostly it, it what didn't really show like a lack of skill. It mostly showed uh, a lack of discipline, a, a lack of ability to, to stay calm. Kind of got a little bit ahead of himself in that fight. Uh, he did rebound after that. He beat Brendan Jenkins, who took the fight on short notice and didn't look particularly great, but Wrong took care of him the way somebody ought to take care of an opponent like that. Uh, Bahamundes, meanwhile, he took a tough decision loss in his debut too, but it was to John McDessie, which is obviously a lot higher uh, of a caliber opponent in that fight. Um, and it was a close fight too, I would also add. So he lost to John McDessie, but he followed that up with that Roosevelt-Roberts highlight KO that is all over the place now. So... We got two guys here, one and one, both coming off of tough losses by decision out the gate, both who looked phenomenal thereafter. So um, when picking a winner in this fight, uh, I think you got to look to how they've lost and how they've won and what they've looked like in those losses and wins. And for me, Ignacio Bahamondes looks like a much better striker. Neither guy seems particularly interested in going to the ground. So I, I have to lean here with Ignacio Bahamondes. I think this winds up being a striking match for a long time. And... It's also worth noting that possibly that that issues with the cardio could wind up costing Zurong here because those have never been issues with Ignacio Hamandes. The guy has got great cardio. He's able to strike the entire time with people. Zurong, not so much. Zurong is a guy who, like I said, with the Vargas fight looked really bad. But you could also look back in some of his fights in WLF, which is a Chinese promotion, where he sometimes looked like he faded late in that fight. So for me in this one, going Ignacio Bahamundes. You asked me to put a gun to my head. I say he gets a late stoppage here. I think he gets a TKO in the third round when Rong starts to fade. 
And that brings us to another weird fight, which is uh, Josie Nunez versus Ramona Pasquale. So Nunez knocked out Bay Malecki in her August debut, which of course was long awaited. She had been signed with the UFC and rumored for bookings multiple times. And finally, she gets that debut. She fights somebody who's not only heavier than her, because obviously Bay probably weighed quite a bit more by the time they got to the fight, but also had a ridiculous height advantage. We're talking like eight or nine inches of height advantage here for Bay Malecki. And, and Nunes went out there and knocked her out. So an amazing debut. Ramona Pasquale will be looking to have her own big debut. She's 6-2. and two. She's, of course, coming off of a recent Invicta win over Shamir Peshawa, uh, who's a, a decent prospect, but definitely levels below Ramona Pasquale. That fight also took place at 150 pounds because Peshawa took that fight on short notice uh, where she was originally supposed to fight somebody else. So now we got Pasquale and Nunes fighting at 145 pounds here, which is also a weird thing here because Nunes is only 5'2". She's very short. So for her to be taking this fight at featherweight, it's 100% because Pasquale can't cut the weight in time, which for me... It's a fun little bit of insight into this fight, right? Because Nunes is not going to have any trouble making 45. She, she probably doesn't have very much trouble making 35, as long as we're being honest. She's very muscular, but for her to make 35 at five foot two, she can be a little bit muscular. Whereas uh, Pasquale here is going to be a little bit taller. She's going to be, obviously it's going to be a tough cut for her because she's not willing to cut to 35. So that for me, Already a red flag. In addition to that, I've seen Nunes deal with somebody who's taller. I've seen Pasquale fight on the regional circuit, and not just in Invicta, but for some other promotions. Her striking's good, but it, it's not the level that I worry about with Nunes. She's gonna get hit, and Nunes hits really freaking hard. Um, If you're one of those people who's out there chasing props, because, hey, maybe that's just like the way you like to bet things, the way you like to get after things... Josie Nunez here by knockout is a very nice prop. You're probably going to see it at plus money because you don't usually see too many knockouts in women's fights. The percentage is statistically way lower. Uh, and I think Nunez has got dynamite in her hands. I think Pasquale gets hit. So I'm going to go with Josie Nunez here by knockout. And that's going to do it for the end of my first round. I'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One of my favorite features of the All-Star app is the player bios. If you're looking to do a little research on an upcoming fight between, hey, let's say Bobby Green and Islam Makashev, well, you're going to click on their fight, which is super easy to find in their scores tab, and not only are you going to get when that fight is happening, but you also get the opening and current lines, plus over and unders, so much information right there in the palm of your hand, but it's far more than just betting lines. They got records dating back to their pro debuts and so much more. If you want this, as easy as pie. Go download the All-Star app in the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the theallstar.io. And I am back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Terrence McKinney versus Faris Zayem. So McKinney, you may remember from his debut knockout over Matt Frivola, he took that fight on short notice, all the way back in last June, and not only did he beat Matt Frivola by knockout, but he did so in seven seconds, an absolute feat for a debuting fighter, but that momentum kind of came to a halt, because like I said, we haven't seen him since June, it's, it's been eight months since we've seen Terrence McKinney, including previously having been booked and missed out on a fight here with Faraz Zayem, who he's booked with again. Faraz Zayem, meanwhile, on the other side of the coin, has won two straight decisions. He beat Jamie Malarkey and Luigi Vendermini both. 
Luigi Vendramini was back in June, so he also has been out for eight months and, again, had that fight book with Terrence McKinney. So both of them have kind of missed out on that extra fight to build momentum. So let's break it down for you. I'm pretty sure I've already broken it down once for you guys on this show because, uh, like I said, that fight was booked and ready to go before um, Terrence McKinney's cornerman actually uh, tested positive for COVID, wound up getting that fight pulled. So my breakdown of this fight is pretty simple. Terrence McKinney, the big power puncher. Ferris Zayim, a little bit more of the nuanced striker, going to try to be avoiding big blows and things like that. And in this case, I'm actually going to favor McKinney because while Ferris Zayim is is a little bit more technical, he stays out on the outside, he does a good job picking and, and throwing some leg kicks, slight jabs, moving away. I don't trust that he can stay away from the big power of McKinney for all that long. And in addition to that, I would say... If he can stay away from the initial power of Terrence McKinney, the big blows that you see early on in fights, I don't think he will be able to avoid the wrestling. Which, by the way, Terrence McKinney, actually a pretty good wrestler. He he was trained under Michael Chiesa back when he was in high school. He was on Michael Chiesa's wrestling team. And he, he learned a lot. And you could see in some of his earlier fights back when he was down at featherweight that he's got a lot of good pieces there. It just sort of never has to be used because he's always knocking fools out, especially since he's come up to lightweight. So uh, I'm going to take care of McKinney here. I'm going to say he gets it done by knockout. I think ultimately, like I said, I don't think Zayim is going to be able to stay away from that big blow for the entirety of a 15-minute fight. And that brings us to Alejandro Perez versus Jonathan Martinez. Alejandro Perez had a two-fight losing streak, but he won last time out by beating Johnny Eduardo by armbar, which was a very weird fight because Johnny Eduardo seemed like he was doing some good things on the feet, took the fight to the ground, got armbarred, uh, Alejandro Perez getting it done. Uh, Jonathan Martinez, meanwhile, has won three out of four, including winning a decision last time over Zavad Lazosvili. That was in October. Weird thing about that fight is that Lajosvili took that fight on short notice. He was still favored in the fight, which was also very weird. Um, a lot of people fading Jonathan Martinez at this point in his career, and, and I'm not quite sure why. I mean, I guess he's got that loss way back when to Andre Ewell, who's no longer with the company, and may, maybe that doesn't look too good on his record. But, man, the guy goes in there and constantly puts out good striking performances. And, and for me in this one... I'm also going to side with Jonathan Martinez. I don't think this fight is as wide as the odds say. Um, so if you're looking to bet, maybe stay away from this one. Jonathan Martinez, I saw negative 220. Maybe not the best line in the whole world. But I do like him enough to win here. I think he probably gets it done by decision as long as he avoids the ground with Alejandro Perez, who who does have an underrated ground game. I think his ground game is quite good. So uh, again, Jonathan Martinez got to stay away from the ground. But at the end of the day, I really do think his striking holds up here. Uh, and he wins a technical, maybe maybe not the most exciting fight to watch, but he wins kind of like a technical uh, chess match on the feet. And that's going to do it for the end of my second round. I'm going to take another quick break. I'll be right back with round number three. All right, guys, one more quick word about the All-Star app before we get back to the last and final round, and that's telling you about how great their news feed is. Because if you're the type of person who's been getting your sports news off of social media, you got to start doing that because the All-Star app has a proprietary algorithm that's only going to bring you the highest quality sports news all in one nice, neat little feed. In addition to that, you can personalize your feed so only the sports news that you care about shows up in your feed. If this sounds like something you like, and I'm sure it is, Go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. All right, and I am back with the last and final round. Going to put another five minutes on the clock. 
And I'm going to start this round by talking about Ramiz Brahimai versus Michael Gilmore. Brahimai just won in two in the UFC despite coming in super hyped. He lost that opening fight to Max Griffin by getting his ear exploded off. Followed that up with a submission win over Sasha Platnikov. And since then, lost a very grueling decision to Court McGee. So that, like I said, one and two, uh, that Court McGee fight was only back in January. And now he's taking this fight on short notice against Michael Gilmore, who is supposed to fight Johnny Parsons, who seems to have... You know, messages out to Johnny Parsons here. Prayers out for Johnny Parsons here. He's seemingly having some issues with his brain. So uh, all the best to him, and we hope he gets that squared away. Um, Gilmore, meanwhile, remains in this fight. Uh, he lost his UFC debut to Andre Petrovsky back in August. After a good showing on the feet, he kind of fell apart when Petrovsky got the fight to the ground. Lost by ground and pound here. So he's 0-1 in the UFC, getting his chance at redemption. So here's the thing, is that, you know, Ramiz Brahimai coming off of that grinding loss to Court McGee, a fight where I actually picked Brahimai to win almost in the opposite fashion as he lost. I, I thought he would be the grinder here. The problem here is that Gilmore was getting a very good stylistic matchup for him and Johnny Parsons. Johnny Parsons, a guy, loves to swing him. Uh, he stands on the feet. He's the striking coach for Syndicate MMA. Gilmore was probably preparing for that, and it was probably a favorable matchup because, like I said before, Gilmore's good on his feet. Uh... The problem is, is now he is fighting a guy a lot like Andre Petrovsky, uh, a guy who's really good with his submission games, quite good with his takedowns. Uh, sure, again, he, he probably didn't look great against Court McGee, but I do think his grappling game is good enough here to easily deal with Michael Gilmore. Um, you know, I, I think ultimately Ramiz Brahimai is the type of guy who is going to have a long and good UFC career. He's just got to figure some of the things out and deal with some of that takedown defense, which again, I don't think is going to be an issue against somebody like Michael Gilmore. So I'm going to go with Ramiz Brahimai. If you are a guy out there looking for a prop, Ramiz Brahimai plus 100 to get the submission, I think is an absolute steal. So make sure you hop on that one. Uh, and that brings us to our last and final fight of the prelims, which is Victor Altamirano versus Carlos Hernandez. I messed up Hernandez and not Altamirano, which is uh, pretty crazy. So anyway, Altamirano, 10-1 making his debut. He got his contract on the Contender Series with a split decision win over Carlos Candelario. That was back in August. Candelario, of course, also got a contract, weirdly, in that fight. Uh, Carlos Hernandez, 7-1, making his debut. He also got his contract via the Contender Series on a split decision win over Daniel Barres. That was back in October. So, uh, really, this is tough because you, you don't usually see two debuting fighters who both got contracts on the Contender Series. Uh, they didn't used to sign all that many flyweight guys, which is, uh, again, puts these guys kind of on an island alone. And they hardly ever signed people off of split decisions. Hardly ever. So, uh, to see two guys like this... Kind of shocking. So I looked back at those fights. I rewatched them because, to be honest, they weren't really memorable. Um, it was hard for me to remember what I had seen out of both these guys. What I saw out of Carlos Hernandez was good hands, good fundamentals on the feet, decent wrestling. He seemed to press guys up against the cage and be all right in that, that realm. However, I will say with the fundamental striking comes the ability to get hit. Um, he's kind of a rope striker. He, he throws the combinations he's supposed to throw. Uh, but as a result, he, he winds up being a little bit predictable and gets smacked around a little bit, or at least did against Barres. Altamirano, on the other hand, uh, didn't seem to have the best takedown defense. He seemed to get a little complacent off of his back, looking for submissions and sweeps instead of looking to get back up, which can be a detriment in some cases. It can be an advantage in others. On the feet, meanwhile, he's a wild man. He, he throws some winging shots and, and kind of just goes for it. So... 
It's a very weird stylistic matchup and kind of a hard one to pick. Uh, when I decided on this one, I think this one's going to go to the decision uh, because neither guy has gotten finishes recently. It's a flyweight fight, less finishes than those as well. But I'm going to go with Ultimarano. I think ultimately his winging strikes, something's going to get through. He's going to wobble him. He's going to wind up in good positions. I also think we've seen more and more judges giving rounds to people off of their back which is good. That's where you can win rounds as long as you're being aggressive if you read the criteria. And I think Altamirano has kind of got a little bit of that in him. So uh, I'm going to go with Victor Altamirano. I think it's going to be a super close fight, but one that ultimately I think will be pretty fun to watch. And that brings us to the end of our third round. I gave you guys six fights in just a little bit over 15 minutes. I hope you guys enjoyed this breakdown. Again, I'll be back next week actually with a co-host, so make sure that you tune in then. It'll also be a little bit better of a card than UFC Vegas 49. Not saying it's not a good card, but I'm saying next week's UFC 272 is going to be much better. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Gumby Vreeland, and I will see you next week.